Right, if you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians, we'll start there, and we're going to be going through several different, uh, different verses, uh, and I'll give you time to turn there as well, but uh, it's good to be together. Uh, so in Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to start, and then we'll, uh, we'll head over to Ephesians, which is right before Colossians. I, uh, I, today, the Bible study, you know, when, when someone that's not Hoyt is teaching, I know Hoyt's on the, on the Malachi um, process there, going through the book of Malachi, and, and for me, I just, I really was trying to think through and pray through what, what does God want me to, to talk about tonight, and um, I've just really wanted to, to, in my own heart, develop more of, a, of an eternal perspective as I interact with folks, as I think about um, things going on in our world, and, uh, and just the chaos that that is around us, and, and I don't know about you, but that chaos tends to put me in a funk sometimes, right? It's, it's just like you, you don't know what to think, and you don't know how to feel, and uh, people tell you how to feel, and they tell you what to think, and really what I want to have is more of an eternal perspective. I want to be thinking in light of the kingdom of God and in eternity, and so it's very, very important for us uh, in light of any circumstance to be thinking of the things that are above, to put our minds and our hearts on those things and not just on the things of the world or any confidence that we would have in the world. Uh, the world definitely tricks us and wants us to think that we should have total confidence in the world or the things of the world, and, uh, and Satan gets us distracted there. But that is not what we ought to be chasing. We ought to be chasing Jesus alone and living for his kingdom. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to look at the, uh, the book of Colossians uh, briefly uh, in chapter 3, and we'll move on from there. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight, to, to be in your word, and just to, to grow deeper. God, it's, it's our desire that our hearts would change, and God, that you would convict us of any sin, and God, you would convince us of your truth, that we might live by your word and by your truth. Uh, we thank you for it. We thank you for all that you're, you're doing uh, in, in our midst, and God, we, we want to be about your business, uh, God, because we have no business being about the business of the world. So, God, help us to do that. Uh, first, seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to be in Colossians in just a minute. Um, there's a quick story I just want to share, uh, a story that, that's in some curriculum I read. Uh, it's Steve Jobs and Steve Woz, they, they were the head of Apple, right? They started Apple, and they left whatever they were doing to go work on this company that they thought was going to be amazing, amazing computers, which they turned out to be uh, pretty amazing, right? Uh, but Jobs approached the president of Pepsi at the time, and uh, he, he said, hey, would you consider leaving your prestigious, secure job and, and come work for us, this startup that we're going to start? And, and at first, the pitch did not go well. He's like, ah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I want to do that. But then he, then he asked the question. Jobs looked at him and said this, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or do you want a chance to change the world? And with that question ringing in his ears, uh, John Scully left Pepsi and came to work for Apple. Now, that's a, that's a neat story if you're in the world and like you, you want to change the world, and sometimes we have that desire to change the world. But what I would tell you this is a job at Pepsi is not worthless, right? A job at Apple is not worthless. Each can be equally important uh, if viewed from, a, from an eternal perspective. So we don't have to leave what we're doing because it's, it's earth, considered worldly. Uh, in the world, it's considered worthless or, or not as important. Uh, a, a Pepsi driver or a Pepsi CEO, it, it's, you can still live for the kingdom of God in that position. So that's okay. But for you and I, um, we, we want to have an eternal perspective in whatever we're doing. We want to we live in a way that, that what we do and, and the way we do it does live for an eternal purpose, that does uh, desire to change the world in a positive way for the kingdom of God, 
uh, and not just our, our little neighborhood, but just for living for the kingdom. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that. I want to look at this verse out of Colossians uh, chapter 3, and we're in uh, verse one, verses 1 through 3. It says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I, I love that passage, and we have to really point out the first part of this, though, and maybe for some people listening online, the, uh, the, the if, it says, so if you have been raised with Christ. Uh, there, that's the if. We, we can try and try uh, without Christ to set our, th- our minds on things above, but it will not work. We will not live for eternity. We will not enter eternity with Christ if we are not in Christ, if we have not, by faith, believed the gospel of Jesus so he could forgive us of our sin, we could let his death pay for us and that we would be raised with him as he, he rose from the dead. We have, a, we have a resurrection and we have life as well because through faith in Christ. So because of that faith we have in Christ, because he's forgiven us and changed us, and then we, we now can have an eternal perspective. So if we've been raised with Christ, then seek, seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I want to ask a question uh, to kind of start us off to get us going. Um, why is it so difficult to keep our mind on things above? Why is it so difficult to keep our mind on things above? Yeah, the world pulls on us from every direction all the time. Yeah, what else? Right, right. The, the, the eternal, the, the things of heaven are, are, are in our heart, our mind. It's a soul kind of connection where it may not be so visible, where here the things in front of us are visible and they are a distraction, right? Yeah, absolutely. What else? Why is it so difficult to keep our mind on things above? Right. 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 Or chasing after it. Uh, the the question or the answer to the question that was just given. I'll try to try to do that well. It, because we don't comprehend the the wonder of heaven and the the amazement of glory and uh, the redemption of Jesus and the sovereignty of God um, it doesn't it's not it doesn't sink in as deeply or we don't we don't wrap our heart and mind around it as deeply as we ought to maybe through His Word I would even say or add um, that we we don't chase after it the way we should we don't treasure it the way that we should right and and that's uh, that's that's totally totally true right where where our treasure is there our heart will be or where our heart is there our treasure will be also right so fixing our heart and our eyes and our mind on Jesus, on the things above, uh, it, it has to be one of those intentional things that we do. Because, because there are so many distractions in the world, we have to intentionally say, wait, stop, pause. I need to really fix my heart and my eyes on Jesus right now. So when I walk out these doors and I walk into some other doors or, or walk into uh, listening to something on the radio or whatever it might be, any circumstance or scenario, that my heart and my mind are prepared to enter that looking through the lenses of eternity uh, and the worldview of Christianity rather than uh, the flesh or, or my desires or my, my, uh, even uh, my disappointment 
right, in life. So those are things that we need to set our mind on. I, I want us to look, though, at the book of Ephesians. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, you know, when we lose sight of the eternal things, we often lose our way in life, becoming consumed with what's here and now. And, and we, some people wouldn't say it's not losing your sight. I, I, I saw exactly what I wanted and went after it. I, I went for it, and that's, that's my life. But that's not what Christ would necessarily have in front of us. So we lose our way. And this, this passage in Ephesians is really a really great passage. I just wanted to check this out here. It says this, He himself, that is Jesus, gave, and this is chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, verses 11 through 16. He himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now, there's a lot right there. We're going to keep reading in a minute, but I, I want to just hit on some of this stuff here. God has given his church, his, his people, his children, his sheep, uh, teachers and evangelists and prophets and people to help build the church up and equip the church uh, for ministry. It's not, it's not just that those are the only ministers. They're, they're there to equip and pull up and lift up and, and encourage the rest of the body in order to minister, that they would minister. And as, as they minister, it says that it builds up the body until what? As we minister together, that we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. That is so important. If we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son, knowledge, this helps us start setting the tone of our mind and our heart on, on eternity, on, on things of God. And, and so we put ourselves in that position to be built up in maturity, growing in maturity, growing in faith, growing in knowledge uh, with the body of Christ. The body of Christ, I would tell you this, is a means of grace. It is a means of grace, God's grace, to us that we can grow more into the image of Christ. And, and that stature of maturity that we want is measured by Christ's fullness. Listen, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. It's just not, it's not an option. God has designed us to be together, to be united, to be a body, and to, to build off of one another, to be iron sharpening iron, so that we would grow together and be united and mature and in the, united in the fullness of God's, uh, God's Son, the knowledge of God's Son, in a fullness measured by Christ. And then it says in verse 14, and then, and then. So we think, well, I want, I want this. I want this growth. Well, then do that. Because when we do that, then it says, we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fit, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. It's amazing that if we decide, like, I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ. I'm going to put myself in a place to grow and to be encouraged and to be built up and poured into. And I'm going to, I'm going to grow in the knowledge of God's Son and, and grow into maturity in, in my faith that is measured in Christ's fullness, not, not my own or not some other litmus test, but Jesus. Then, if I do that, then I won't be like a little child tossed about. And I just think about that. I, I, you know, I have two small children. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and, and they are tossed about. They're, they are distracted all the time. Uh, we, we can't go 10 minutes without some kind of distraction, some kind of, of upset in the routine. It's just like, can I just take a breath for a minute? Can we pause and just kind of see? I mean, maybe you're watching tonight, and, and your kids are doing the same thing right now, right? We, like little children, we too can be distracted. Now, we may be able to sit still better than they can. We may better be, be uh, a little better at manners than they are. A little bit, right? Maybe. But, but in the heart and in our mind, in our soul, as we pursue spiritual maturity, 
we are almost as easily distracted as they are. Unless we grow together. Be together. And I know, you know, I, I've said this so many times, and maybe you're tired of me, you're trying to hear it from me, I don't know. But even in COVID, this, this time has been a weird season in our, in our lives. The world says, isolate, push away, stay away, keep certain distance away from people. And I get that we need to be wise and prudent in those things. But when we miss out on each other and on, on even ways that our church is safely using protocol to continue building in to one another, we miss out on that. That if or that then goes away, and then, it's, then we will be tossed about. And, I, and I've had conversations with so many people, even in our church, not just our community, but in our own church, who are feeling more tossed about now than they ever have in their life. And I would just encourage you to, 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 yes, look at your physical health. It's important. Be wise with your choices as we have a, live in a pandemic. But we have to be even more wise with our souls and how we relate to one another and how we relate to Jesus and how we grow in the knowledge of God's Son and the maturity or the stature measured by Christ's fullness. We only do that together. And when we do that, we will not be tossed about by every different teaching and clever technique by humans because it's all around. We are being taught. We are being poured into one way or the other. And we, we get to, in many ways, control that. It might be turning off the TV, turning off the news channel, turning off the music or videos or binge-watching, whatever, stop, stop binge-watching, whatever it is, in order to, to really say, you know, what is God's will? What is God's goal for my heart? How might I be less tossed around and more grounded in the truth of God's word? What are some of the things that could be changed in, in what we value? If we want to have a a more of an eternal perspective and, and live for eternity. We don't want to be tossed around. What are some of the things that might need to change that we value? Or, and I'm trying to make it general, right? That people value, so I don't single you out at all. What are, what are some of the things that people value that might need to change? Money? So you said, yeah, money. Or, or the way we use money, right? The way we think of money, that may need to change. What else? Public image, sure. How we look to people, how we interact with people, sure. What we look like, right? Granted, I'll confess, I probably shouldn't have worn a camo vest with a plaid shirt on Sunday morning. It, I guess it clashed, I don't know. That's just what I like. They're still talking about it? Oh, good. What, what, what do I need to change what, in what we value and what people value? How about time? People value time, but people value it for different reasons, right? They don't value time as an instrument for service. They usually value time as a tool for self, for selfishness, right? Or they try to carve time or make time for themselves. Or they use time just to do more work for, for more money, potentially, right? What else? What might need to change in what we value? Yeah, the amount of time we actually spend in God's word, right? Absolutely. I think what might need to change in what we value is, is what, where we find value. Where we go and where we turn to find value. We look, we look in all kinds of different places for our, for our identity 
or for some type of satisfaction and we, or, or even um, uh, respect or acceptance. And we may need to change that, that, that their opinion or that doesn't matter as much as what Christ says about me and about who I am in Christ. Those, those might be things that need to change as well. Right. From Psalm 119, the, the treasuring and the valuing of the Word of God is so important. And you can go look at that online if you're looking at that. But Psalm 119 really does sh- show that. I want to seek and value His instruction and, and Him and that, that he, would, he would change my heart. It's so important for us to do that. Um, well, I want to look at a couple things um, to help us focus on the eternal. There are three things that we find, uh, well, at least three, but three things I'm going to look at today that, that are eternal. So if you want to turn with me to John chapter 10, in your Bible, John chapter 10, we find, find three things that, that are eternal. So that if we want to focus our minds on the eternal, what can we grab onto? What should we strive for? What should we, we grab as excellent? Uh, the first thing is that, that God is eternal and our relationship with him is eternal also. It's a relationship that will last forever. So John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30 is what I'll read. It starts, it says, Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking into the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounding him asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So there's this eternal conversation. There's a conversation talking about possession of of God's people, of his flock. And they wondered about, are you really the Messiah? Are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell tell us a little more plainly. And he had told them. He'd instructed them. And he has revealed himself as a Messiah. And as we're going through uh, the harmony of the Gospels on Sunday morning, we see that John the baptizer even was pointing to Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the Lamb of God. It was clear who he was. They just didn't believe or they didn't get it or they were blinded to see it. Their Their hearts were hardened to see it. But he did say about those who were his sheep, those who would follow him, those who would obey him, those who would, would trust him as Savior and knew he was the Messiah, he said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. So we are eternal. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I want to go to Luke chapter 16 as well, though, because this talks about those who are God's sheep. But Luke 16 expounds upon this a little more because uh, the truth is this, that, that we are eternal. We are eternal. Human beings are eternal. Uh, this body will, will fade away. This body, this tent, will give out and eventually die. Right? And we look at each other and we see, we see that happening, that we're just kind of getting older a little bit, right? And my son the other day, he looked at me, and, or my daughter. Was my daughter last, last night, I think. She looked and said, Daddy, why, why is your beard so white? And I just kind of was heartbroken for a minute. Like, man, I'm getting old. And I answered, maybe in a quip, it only got white once you were born, Bailey. Right? Once we had children, it started getting white, this, that pressure and stress. But it's true. We start to fade and start, our body will give out. But our soul, 
who we are, this person that's talking to you, Brandon, right? I am eternal. My soul is eternal. And our souls have an eternal destiny to either, and, and either to be judged eternally and, and condemned and, and sent away from God or to be welcomed in because of Christ's righteousness imputed on us. So in Luke 16, picking up in verse 19, it says this. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, uh, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor, poor poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what what uh, what fell from the rich man's table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades... He looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip, uh, dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. Now let's stop there for a minute just before we go on. Uh, there's a lot going on there, but the, the two men died, right? One was a believer, one was God's sheep, and one ended up going going to heaven, right? And the other one was, it was not and ended up going to hell, to Hades. That's a real place of torment, of separation from God. And, and so they're both there. And, and it said, it was interesting that it said this man died, right? It said uh, the, the poor man died and was carried away and he's at Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and being in torment in Hades, he looked up. So it, you, you see that the flesh died, but the soul still lived on. You see that there happening. That's uh, interesting, right? There's two places here that are different, a heaven and a hell. Then in verse 25, it says, Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us, uh, us and you, so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot. Neither can those come uh, across and cross over to us. Father, he said, I, I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers uh, and, and to warn them so that they won't also come to this place of torment. Interesting, right? He, he's got his heart for his brothers now. He, he becomes an evangelist from hell thinking, I, I need to send someone to my brothers to let them know that they need to believe or they're going to end up where I am and don't, you don't want to come here. But Abraham told them, said to them, uh, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham. Now, this is interesting. Abraham said they, they have the instruction they need. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the Old Testament. They have the word of God. It was the word of God, and they could, they could use that to point themselves to the Messiah and to be saved. So they, they should listen to Moses and the prophets. No, 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 Father Abraham, he said. Now, this is true of today's society. I want you to think about this. We have the word of God. It's very clear. It can be preached and pronounced and read and, and taught all over the place. People can find Jesus Christ through the written word of God. Right, it's all there. But he said, no, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone comes from the dead and goes to them, then they will repent. He's saying, hey, if someone, if someone raises from the dead, then, the, then they're going to believe. Then they're going to know. But he told him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. So important to understand that we, we are eternal and there's an eternal destination for us. And, and God, who's a loving God, a loving Father, wants us to be with him. He created us to be with him, that we would be objects of his love and that he would be an object of our greatest affections. But sin separated us from God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We've separated ourselves from God because of sin. And we deserve the condemnation that we see the rich man get. 
we deserve to be separated eternally from God in hell. Not because God is angry and and mad and vicious and vindictive, but because God is holy and pure and righteous and cannot not judge sin. He must judge sin. But what did he do? Through Moses and the prophets, we see that he judged sin. He pointed the judgment of sin to his son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. He died in our place that if we would believe the gospel, if we would repent of our sin and turn in faith to him, he would forgive us. That his perfect lamb sacrifice would count as my sacrifice. The blood would be shed on my behalf and that, that through his stripes I would be healed. But it takes faith in Christ. Pointed to Christ by conviction of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God telling me about the Messiah. Not just about someone rising from the dead. If I believe, I'm, I'm saved, I'm secured, I'm rescued. And what does that mean to be rescued? I'm rescued from what would have been the end for me. Hell, torment, damnation because of my own sin. God desires us to believe. God desires us to, to repent of our sin and to turn to him in faith. But so many of us are stubborn. And we're still stubbornly rejecting the Messiah who is clearly the Messiah for all who would believe and be saved. Going on there, I want to read one more, what was that? One more passage from John chapter 3 regarding this. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Eternal life is life in heaven with Jesus forever because of what Jesus did and our faith in him. Uh, the wrath of God remaining is no life at all, but it's agony and separation from God forever. So not only are, is our relationship with God eternal, but the souls of men and women, you and I, are eternal. Then The next thing we see that's eternal is actually the word of God. If you look at uh, Matthew chapter 5 with me, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 17 and 18. So 17 and 18 say, Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Uh, The word of God is eternal. And we can see that also in Scripture, in the Psalms, and other places, that this word of God endures forever. It will not pass away. It will always endure. Uh, So many great stories um, about what we call it great stories. Great stories of people who have tried tried to destroy the word of God over the years. They tried to burn all the Bibles or get rid of the word of God so that would never be able to be influenced again. And I love how God has a sense of humor. I can't even get the names right or the places or the times. But I remember there was a leader, a ruler, who wanted to try to get rid of all the Bibles and to burn all the Bibles down away. And, and, and that leader had since died, and eventually uh, his residence was converted into a Bible printing center. And I think God has a sense of humor in that way. God has a, an amazing sense of humor to say, my word is going to persevere and, and go on. And, and listen, uh, it, it can be tested and it can be proven accurate. It, it's up for the test. Uh, I love it if you wanted to go online and get to some of the content from last Sunday. Uh, Bubba taught in our Sunday school class. I think it's on our, um, our podcast. It, it's not on a video, but a podcast. And he taught on, on the, um, the scriptures, the, the, looking at the scriptures for, that they are indeed 
the Scripture and the New Testament and the Old Testament, and it was just a really great, uh, great study to look at the um, the veracity of Scripture and the and that it stands up the test of time and it stand, stood up the test of the centuries, uh, what has been accepted and what has not been accepted and why it has been accepted. So I, I challenge you to go there. So those are the things that are eternal. But let's let's turn just for a few minutes on what are the things that are temporal. What are the things that are are temporal? Look at James chapter four if you want to turn there. James 4, looking at verses 13 and 14. It says this, it says, Come now, uh, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there or do business and make a profit there. Uh, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And we can make all kinds of grandiose plans, but we are... Here today and maybe gone tomorrow. Our life is like a vapor, right? So what is temporal? Our life. Our life, our plans, our vacations that are planned next year, next month, uh, that is all just kind of out there. It's not today. And, uh, and so it's, it's temporal. What else, is, what else is temporal? If you look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Looking at verses 15 through 18. It says, Do not love the world... Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world, with its lusts, is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. So we see that life will pass away. It's like a vapor. We also see that the world with its lust will pass away. And we talked about this in the very first question. What are some of those distractions we have? Well, I, I love this passage really sums up, I think, really the distractions of life, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride uh, in one's possessions or one's life. Uh, that, that is what people strive for. They, they look with their eyes. Uh, they, they, they want their flesh, what their flesh, flesh wants. They want what their eyes want. And the pride of one's possessions. Look what I can be. Look what I can possess. Look, look how great I can become. Uh, that is what people are searching for. But it says uh, the world and its lust is passing away. Not only is life going to pass away and the plans we make going to, to pass away, uh, so is this world. This world and its, and its lust and its passions are going to pass away as well. And then we have one more thing. It says, uh, and it kind of indicated there, the, the, the things of this world are going to, earthly things, earthly wealth will not last. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 through 21, it says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves don't Break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we don't lay up for ourselves treasures here, right? We don't, we don't just say, I'm going to hoard here. I want to keep and acquire and put my, put my hope in these things. Uh, the truth is this. Every one of those things can and will be stripped away from us. Our life, our, our, the lust and passions of the world, and the things of this world that we acquire will all be stripped away. We cannot take anything to heaven with us. We can't take anything to heaven with us. Uh, one of the things I wanted to, to make a mention of here, when we talk, talk about the eternal, it's important. And I've, I've mentioned this before about the line and the dot, and I'm going to mention it again tonight. But, but here, here's something that we say at times. We say, I'm going to start a savings account next year. 
In 2020, I'm going to start a savings account or I'm going to start a retirement account. I'm going to start investing. I'm going to, I'm going to start, and, and that's, that's, investments are great, right? We, sh- we should live thinking about the future and what we want to invest in. But here's the problem with the, the statement. I'm going to start investing, what, tomorrow. I'm going to start investing tomorrow. Eventually, I'll start investing. When we look at life with an eternal perspective, when we notice that the world's passing away, that, that the lusts of the world are passing away, the pleasures of the world, that the treasures of the world are passing away, our investment for eternity must start today, right now. Our eyes have to be focused on Jesus right now. Our eyes have to be focused on the eternal right now because it's all passing away. And our, the only thing that's eternal right, is our souls and our relationship with God and the word of God. Those are the things that endure forever. So we make investments in those things and in people so they would know and see and seek and savor Jesus. Today is the day we begin saving for the future. We start today living for the eternal we start investing in the things that are eternal and will affect eternity. It's about living for the line. So I, I mention this uh, oftentimes in different teaching places, but if we were to imagine a really long line, I think I did it in this room uh, preaching on this, I don't know, half a year ago or so, but if we, if we were to draw a line or just get some painter's tape, right, maybe the thinner stuff, and, and put a painter's tape line around the whole building here, around the inside of the whole room, all the way around the wall, and it would connect, right? Be this one big ring all the way around the room. And what, what I tell you is that line represents all of eternity, right? But then if I asked you to come up here and I, I said, well, here's a Sharpie, go to, that, go to that line, that's eternity, go to that line and, and show me your life, right? Show me your lifespan. Show me where your life would be on that. Uh, I'd call that a blip. It'd be a blip on that radar, right? A little line, or it's a dot. We, we'll, we'll like exaggerate it a little bit with a, with a bigger dot. Maybe it, it overextends each side of the, the line, but that's a dot. And that's one dot on one big, large line. And in fact, I mean, eternity, my, my kids always are preoccupied with this number of infinity, right? They, they can count, and, and Wesley's starting to add, and Bailey can add, and they're starting to understand what that means and how to put that together. But then they, of course, they try to say the biggest number they can, and then one of them inevitably says infinity. But then what does the next one say? Infinity in one, right? And like, come on, you know, infinity is infinity. Infinity is, it doesn't stop. It's like the universe is continually expanding. It doesn't, there's no end to it in sight. So uh, it's, infinity is that way. Infinity goes on and on forever. So the line that would be going around this building doesn't even adequately reveal eternity because eternity is infinite. It may only reveal eternity correctly because it connects into a ring and just keeps on going. It never stops. There's no starting point and no ending point on it. That's eternity. And that's the time that we're going to spend with Jesus in heaven through faith in Christ. That's, that's amazing. And we focus so much of our time and energy on what is going to be left behind in that dot. Instead of saying, I want to focus my energy, my heart, everything that I am, investing during that dot for the line. I want to live my life for the line. I want to live my life for eternity with eternity in view. That's the eternal perspective in it. And that should compel us to consider how we might invest our lives wisely in eternal things, not in temporal things. Why? Why do we do that? Why, why if we're believers, why do we do that? It goes back to the Colossians verse we read earlier. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's an amazing thing that we are hidden with Christ in God. We are new creations. And I, I'll read that from uh, 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5. Here's this, earth, or this, this, this eternal perspective. It says, from now on, do not, uh, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Stop living in the dot. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. We thought he was just a man. He was here. and We kind of treated him like a man, flesh and blood. But wait a minute. He's divine. He's the Messiah. We believed in him. There's an eternal life at stake here. Now we're focusing on the eternity. He says, we, don't, we no longer see him that way. We see him as eternal. And therefore, it says in Scripture, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So what does this this idea of living for eternity look like? It's the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world, fixing, fixing the relationship between lost sinners and himself through Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. To us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. We plead, you and I plead with our family and friends in view of eternity, in light of eternity. We plead on Christ's behalf with people. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We make that appeal to people. Be reconciled to God. Don't you know that Christ, the one who did not know sin, was made sin for us? That the sin that I deserve punishment for was laid on him. The punishment was laid on him. God's wrath against my sin was laid on Jesus so that through faith in Christ, I might have life and be forgiven and be imputed with the righteousness I never earned and never deserved. And when we have that, when we see Jesus properly, we ought to chase after him with everything that we have. We are new creations. I had, I had some interesting conversations this week with a, with a lady who is struggling really to, to believe. And, and she wants to. She says the right things and talks, has Jesus talk in her, in her mind and, and says she wants to, to see, see spiritual healing inside of her and wants to find peace and, and hope. And she doesn't have peace. There's a lot of pride, a lot of shame there. There's a lot of hurt and a lot of victimization even there. And that's, that, that's part of life. That's part of living. That's part of the suffering. But Jesus, right, he, he came to suffer for us, to overcome those things that we, we through faith in Christ, could be healed could be brought peace and joy and contentment. We could find rest for our souls. But we, wanna, we need to really seek for rest and really seek for rest in Christ alone. And, and people can't comprehend that. They, they don't know. Like, oh, and one of the, her questions was, I don't understand, you know, because she, she's been victimized. She didn't understand. Why, why are people victimized? Why would, why would people victimize Jesus? He allowed himself to be victimized, quote-unquote, right? He allowed himself to be placed on the cross. No one killed him. He laid down his life willingly for us. He was God in the flesh. He could have stopped anything or done anything. And guess what? He did choose to do anything. And the anything was to die in our place so that we could have rest for our souls and be made new. That is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not, the hope is not, hey, come see my awesome church. The hope is not, um, hey, check this Bible verse out, although you can find a lot of hope there and peace there. But, and, it, and it points to Jesus. And I, and I said this in a sermon recently with, with John the baptizer. We ought to be pointing people to the Messiah, 
pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to the only place they'll find hope, the only place they'll be made new, the only place where they can come and find rest for their souls. And that rest for their souls is not just here. It's for all eternity. And we only have this life to do it. And that investment ought to start right now. The final verse I want to read is out of Revelation 21. Great passage of scripture to go read at home on your own and to, and to check that out. But uh, verses 3 through 5, I just want to read and we'll close with that. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. This is talking about eternity. It's not talking about uh, this, this life. It's talking about the new life. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. The one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. Last question I I want you to consider, and, and maybe we can answer that even out loud. When you look back on your life, what things will you want to have accomplished or what things will, or what would you have liked to have been true of you? Changes now, doesn't it? Since we've gone through this study. It's like, oh, I, I don't have a nice, big, fat, you know, retirement account. That's not, what I, that's not the answer we should say, right? What, when we look back at our life, at the end, end of our life, when we look back... What are the things that we want to have been true of us? There's continuous growth and in, in maturity in, in the Word of God and the knowledge of Christ. Good. That you loved well. Okay? Yeah. I, I, that I loved Jesus with everything I had. I, I want... I want people to, to look back and say that. I don't care about anything else. That I love Jesus with all my heart. That I love people well. Right? I pointed people to Jesus. Those are the, the legacy. And I, so I want you to think, even think on tonight and think about what, what your tombstone remembers you as. Because honestly, that is going to be what you invested in. The way you invested. The way you gave of your time. Yeah, Connie. Did you have one, Connie? Okay. So what, what, what is that going to say of us? What, what will be on our tombstone? Very important to look through. I, I, so I hope for, for you and I, in the middle of, see, that, here's the greatest thing about the Word of God. Well, one of the great things. I, I, I can't sum it up with one thing. The, but the great thing about the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, the, the impact of the Word of God, is that, that this idea of living for eternity, the truths we've seen tonight, are true no matter who you are, where you are, or when you lived. It crosses every single boundary and border, every single time zone and, 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 and time frame in history. It is relevant and true no matter where we are, that we can live for eternity. So when, when a crisis comes around us in our family or in our, go a little wider, right, in our community or in our, maybe our county or state or in our country, when we see crises all around us, 
can be the same as what's going on somewhere else. And the truth of investing in eternity is still as relevant today here as it is anywhere else, and it's still relevant there as, as, as it is here. Our investment in eternity, our, our eyes need to be fixed on eternity. We need to be thinking about the line while we live in the dot. Amen? Any other any questions or additions to that? Live for eternity. Nothing else? You got something? Good? Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming tonight, you guys. Let's go ahead and, uh, and close in prayer, and we'll head out. Father, it's such a great time to be in your word, and I thank you for those who are here tonight and joining us on the uh, live stream. God, that uh, they're able to, to hear your word and God, to be challenged and to be encouraged by it. We are so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful that he gives us hope and peace and rest for our souls through, through repentant faith in Christ. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to keep our hearts and our minds heavenward, that we would be living for eternity, having an eternal perspective all the time and pursuing you, your Holy Spirit and your word and God, your people. So we would be changed, we'd grow in maturity and in the knowledge of, of your son, Jesus Christ, and the measurement would be measured in the fullness of Christ and nothing else. We thank you so much and we ask these things in Jesus' great, gracious and glorious name, amen. Thanks you guys, God bless.